Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who see things differently. So today, we're going to talk about a major financial concern of many families. That's college funding. We're going to cover how to figure out the full cost of college and the impact that's going to have on your retirement and other financial goals that you may have. As well as we're going to talk a little bit about a basic approach to help you plan for college funding and an overview of the types of savings vehicles that you could use to help you save and fund college. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont, and I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for well over 10 years. Joining us today is our co-host, Brian. Hi there, Kevin. Pleasure to be here. Founder of Dumont Wealth, always good to have a chat with you about financial issues. Absolutely. We love our discussions with you, Brian, and uh, our Wealth Tactic Rebels, and we always find them beneficial. So I find that you can't really prepare for something that you don't really fully know and understand. So today's discussion is going to be talking about college funding. And to help us to understand more about this complex situation, so we know more about it and can plan for it, let's uh, let's start with Brian, our, our expert here, and get going. <laughs> All right, Kevin. <laughs> you know, so I kind of always say to people, look, if you were going to think about college planning in any way, the most important way you could think about it was that from now until your kid is through college, you have a job. In addition to your regular, ordinary job, your other job is to find out about college funding. That sounds like a fun job. Well, <laughs> I know you didn't sign up for that job, but uh, guess what? If you want your kid to go to college, you have it. Be- and I say it like that because of this. Hour for hour that you spend preparing financially, not just saving, but researching and understanding what it is to pay for college and all the options you have to do that, is going to pay a dividend for you. So hour for hour, you could literally calculate how much money you're going to make or save by understanding well how to pay for college. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me, yeah, of course. So right off the bat, there are some things that I think everybody ought to understand, and that is that the cost of college is ever-increasing, right? Unfortunately, yes. (laughs) Now, I remember when I went to college, it was an awful lot less than it is today, and that tells you how old I am, but... (laughs) Shh, you won't say anything. (laughs) But, but, uh, you know, that is because the rate of inflation applied to college is significantly higher than the average ordinary inflation rate across the economy. In fact, it's approximately double, and in some cases, more than double the average inflation rate. Uh, Can you say ow? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So the spread on that is generally between 5 and 8% annually. State schools, believe it or not, which most people understand are the less expensive option other than private colleges, actually are increasing at a higher, not lower, a higher inflation rate of about 8%. That's almost three times the average inflation rate yeah, that's, of the general economy. That's, that's a high number. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Now, private schools are more like about 5%, but even that is about double the general inflation rate. Right. That's interesting because if you thought about it without knowing the statistics, you would think it's the reverse, the flip of that. That That is why, you know, you would think it would be the reverse of that. But in fact, that is why it is so important to understand 
you know, if you have a youngster who is anywhere is under five years old, <laughs> right? They, and they've got, you know, 15 or 20 years before they start college. That inflation rate applied to that number of years is going to dramatically increase what you know today for the cost of college. Yeah, absolutely. A lot. So let me tell you today, just to give you, our listeners, something to hang their hat on. So if the average state school right now is about $21,000, right? It's not $10,000 anymore. <laughs> you know, in my mind, it's still $10,000. It's not. It's 21000 And the pr average private school, $42,000. Wow. Right? That's more than four times what I paid when I went to college. <laughs> you can do the math on that or, you know, how, I, how old I am. But that's not the high end of schools either. That's just the average. Yeah. Right. Yep. So if you're going, if your son or daughter are going to an Ivy League school, obviously it's going to be more than that. That's potentially yeah. average. Now, when you say, okay, I have two children, one of them is going to go to state school. It's going to take five years to get through that. And by the way, a lot of kids who go to state school, maybe because they're working part time, going to school part time, you know, five years is not uncommon. Right. It's, right? it's more. It's, it's almost an average, really, for them, right? Yeah, <clears throat> certainly. Some of them take six, seven years to get through college and state schools. Right, right. Meanwhile, in private schools, more typically, it's a four-year program for undergraduate school, right? Yeah. If you multiply those numbers, those earlier numbers that I gave you, out, for two students to go get through school, that's over $344,000, right? Oh Taking today's cost, averaging it out over the years, and increasing for inflation. So, obviously, it's a big ticket item. It is. It's huge. This is not something that many people can pay out of ordinary cash flow. More on that in a little bit. In any case, you know, there are at least two things that you have to know that I say, without a doubt, you've got to know this right now. How much is college going to cost? And you can calculate that, right? Yeah. Pretty well. And secondly, how much is that cost going to impact the rest of your financial goals? Right, right. Well, that's a planning question, obviously. But it's a very important one. You know, when people come into my office, sometimes they'll say, well, I just want to pay for my kid's college, the whole thing. And then we look at the situation, and as we talk about it, they begin to realize, guess what? If I pay for that entire cost of college, my retirement goal is going to be jeopardized. Yeah. And guess what? <laughs> My retirement's coming sooner than you think. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. <laughs> right? Unfortunately, depending on how you look at it. The other way but, to look uh, at it is, you know, between your paying for your kid's college and them at least helping to pay for their college, are they going to pay for your retirement? If you so fund their college that you have undermined your retirement, are they going to make up the difference? Well, that's a pretty good question because I, that was, I don't know how many people right? are going to count on that. Yeah, They're just getting out of college. They're going to be starting a family. They've got to buy a house. They've got possibly some college debt. They're not going to be any money left over to contribute to your retirement. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right? That's the last thing. They're going to be coming to you. It's the other way around. So again, why is it so important to think about the impact that paying entirely for your kid's college is going to have? is because you're going to need money. I always say, it is never a question of if you're going to need money. It's only a question of when. And your retirement is when you need to retire. True. And yeah. if college is going to derail that, you got a problem. That's why we got to think about that up front. 
in our decision about what we can afford to pay. And then, of course, there's other children that might come along. You got to pay f- for their college too, possibly. Maybe. And just the simple fact of trying to maintain your own lifestyle yeah. for you and your family, right? Those are all goals that have to be considered before you sign up, pay for the entire tuition with every last dollar you have. <laughs> Make sense? Makes sense. All right. So another interesting thing that I think happens when we talk about college is that there's a lot of myths out there that exist in people's minds or in our culture. I'm not sure why, but tends to apply to college in particular. For instance, one myth is that, oh, my income is too high. I'll never qualify for financial aid. Well, because, you know, I was speaking to my neighbor and they didn't apply because their income is similar to mine and blah, 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 right? Look, here's the bottom line. Everyone's financial situation is unique. Don't assume just because you think that your neighbor's income is similar to yours that they didn't qualify and therefore you won't. Here's what I say. Income is actually only one of seven factors used when determining the amount of financial aid you could potentially receive. One of seven. One of seven. Okay? If you want to find out more details on that, there are a lot of good materials out there on how to calculate what's called your EFC, or Expected Family Contribution. Those are all things that you can look up. And one of the other things that I suggest is, you know, in terms of taking up this goal of working toward funding your your child's college, one of the great resources that is out there is called the Paying for College Without Going Broke book by the Princeton Review. Oh, yeah. Princeton Review is very good. Princeton Review. That's kind of the Bible, if you will, of paying for college. Uh, They update it every year. It's very accurate. It's very detailed. That is an excellent resource, Paying for College Without Going Broke by Princeton Review. In any case, to help you look at what some of those seven factors are, a resource like that can help you look at the wider picture of what's involved in your ability to qualify for financial aid or not. Right. Another assumption that we, you know, is often inaccurate, another myth, I would say, is that private schools cost more than state schools. Now, that's an interesting thing, right? Because everybody knows that at least the sticker price for private schools is significantly more than state schools, and for, generally speaking. Right? right, right. However, there's another factor to consider, and that is that private schools typically also offer a lot more money. Aha. So if the school has more money available in aid, that can significantly reduce the cost of that school. To you, out of pocket. Out of pocket. Right. Which means that, I mean, the actual bill that you're actually paying could be lower because of that. Precisely. So let's say, for instance, a private school sticker price might be $50,000 this year. But they might offer you, you know, various types of financial aid, free money even, that might reduce your out-of-pocket costs to 20000 And a state school might cost a sticker price of thirty, and there might be no money available. Right. Or, or very No little. free money. Right. Right? Or very little, if, if anything. Right. Now, this is another thing. There is a difference between free money, meaning money you don't have to repay, and money that they're going to loan you. Right, right. And you or your child is going to have to repay. Right, right. Preferably <laughs> the child. <laughs> well, between the two, I mean, you know, 
what we certainly want to look at is, again, getting back to the question, do private schools really cost more? That depends. Don't right. assume depends. Yeah. that they right. do. Right. And then finally, one more myth I want to take a hit at here is that debt, personal debt, will help the financial aid calculation, right? I mean, meaning, in other words, if I've got some debt accumulated on my credit cards, on my mortgage, personal loans, whatnot, that means automatically I'm going to get more financial aid. Well, guess what? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I guess, debt does not impact your financial aid eligibility, meaning it's not going to help you one way or another. Yeah. So, sorry guys, but keep paying your debt down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's take a moment for a little example here, okay? Because I think it's helpful to think about really the overall cost of college. Let's suppose that, again, you have two kids, which is an average family. Both Isn't of them. 2.4 kids. Uh, like <laughs> We're not going to divide them up, all right? We'll just stay with two for our calculation. And one of them is going to take five years to get through school. The other one is going to take four years to get through school. Let's say that the one that's going to take five years is currently a senior in high school, and the other child who's going to take four years to get through school is currently a sophomore in high school, right? So it's coming up very quickly for this family. Right. Based on today's cost of college, which we already looked at, right, what would it cost for this, these two children to get through school? $344,000. That's just using average numbers, okay? Now, if you had gotten to this point, meaning that you've got a senior in college, in high school right now and a, and a sophomore in high school, and you had never thought about how much the total cost was going to be, this is probably a rude awakening for you today. <laughs> okay? Maybe you were just ignoring the elephant in the room. But that's not a bad thing because, again, knowledge is always a good thing, right? Now, let's continue with our example. So the family that we just talked about that has two kids, a senior and a sophomore in high school, and it's going to cost them $344,000 as an average to get them through college. Mm -hmm. Those parents right now, of course, they're in their 40s, right? So they've got approximately another 20 years until retirement. If they pay the entirety of that $344,000 out of pocket and we calculate the opportunity cost on that amount of money, and by the time they get to retirement, do you know how much it will have cost them to pay for college? Should I use my cheat sheet? <laughs> <laughs> you could. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to do in your head. 344000 at, let's say, 6% or even more conservatively, 5% right. for the next 20 years. Is a really big number. It's almost $790,000. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about it's double. Huge. It's about double, right? Yeah. And that's only at a 5% investment rate of return. So the question is, can you afford to take $790,000 away from your retirement? That's going to come in 20 years. It's a lot of trips in my ties. So. <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that. But this is exactly the question you need to ask up front. And it's exactly the type of answer that you need so you can make a good decision. Because maybe for this family, they can't afford to pay three forty four when they look at it in context of retirement. Yeah, they're going to be able to pay let's maybe half of that, 
right? Right. And right. the rest is going to have to come from other sources, whether it's the kids, whether it's the government, whether it's the school yeah. or some other charity. They've got to somehow protect their future retirement that's going to come. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no. Right? Yeah, exactly. One way or another. question is, will they be ready for it? So let's think for a moment now and talk about how you can pay for college with savings, for instance. That's one way to pay for college. You can also look for opportunities to borrow money, that is, from the federal government or from private loans. I suppose you could... If you're not working already as much as you can, you could get another job, right? <laughs> well, yeah. For most of us, that's not possible. But for some people, maybe. And then, of course, what I always say is that the simplest way, and this is the job that you signed up for when you decided to have kids, is that if you want them to go to college, you've got to take on that job of getting them financed through college. That is, hour for hour, you're going to make an awful lot more looking for ways that you can fund financial aid, data forms, etc., than just paying it out of pocket, yeah. right? It takes a lot of time and effort to save money for college. Yeah. Literally, possibly a lot more than if you just spend a few hours doing your homework. Yeah. I mean, it's looking at these numbers we're looking at, it's, it's almost like saving retirement with a lot less time. It can be not tens of thousands, can even be hundreds of thousands. Yeah. For some families, right? Right. Let's move on now to talk about, for a moment, kind of a game plan or a very simplified, what I call ABCs of college planning. Actually, ABCD <laughs> in our case. So what does A stand for? A stands for, in all cases, apply for financial aid. Right. Makes sense. Right. First things first. I mean, in other words... Don't assume, just because yeah. we've already talked about this, right? Don't assume that you're not going to qualify. Find out exactly for sure. Money can come from strange places sometimes when it comes to college. Right, because when you apply, maybe financially you don't qualify for any money, but maybe there's other monies. Here's what we know for sure. If you don't apply, the answer is no. It's zero. Yeah. Zero percent chance. If you do, at least you got some chance. Right. Of getting some money from somewhere other than your own pocketbook. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good right. thing. <laughs> so that's A. Next is B. B stands for become cash flow efficient. Now, we talk about that in a lot of other podcasts. Yeah, that's right? definitely something. How do we do that? That's a fairly complex thing to think about, but it really means not throwing any money out the window. Yeah. Okay? How do we not throw money out the window? Well, it means we don't pay too much in taxes. We know how to finance things like college that are major life expenses, major capital purchases, and not taking excessive risk in our investments, et cetera. Right. Okay? So become, B, become cash flow efficient. C, what does C stand for? Credit opportunities. In other words, let's look at and determine by doing our homework, what are our eligible borrowing sources? There are a lot of them out there. I'm only going to touch on a few later on, but doing your homework to look for the credit opportunities is so important because, again, if you don't do it, the answer is no. If you do it, there's at least a possibility you're going to find a good option for yourself yeah. or at least the best option for yourself. Right. Kind of goes along with, like we're talking about, more knowledge. So it's expanding your opportunities. Expanding opportunities. 
And that brings us to D, which is our final step in the process, which is deplete assets. In other words, that's, that's our least favorite part, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can't always spend the money. No one's going to stop you. That's deplete assets. But if you haven't done the rest of it before, in our way of looking at it, that's throwing money out the window. That's right. a wealth transfer. If you spent too much on college and you didn't have to, that's a wealth transfer. We're trying to help you avoid that transfer now by having this conversation. Right. So we're thinking differently about college funding. There you go. All right. What other kinds of things could you miss out on? Well, for instance, there's possibly $31,000 available in guaranteed government-backed student loans. What kind of loans? Well, we'll talk about those in a moment. All right, let me give you just a couple of quick examples, just two small examples of what proper planning for college could give you. Or you could miss out on if you decide not to do any planning. <laughs> so it's possible, but not what we encourage. <laughs> Example number one, up to $31,000 in guaranteed government-backed student loans available in the form of what we call Stafford loans. Now, you may or may not qualify for it, but until you know, wouldn't you like to know if that $31,000 of government-backed student loans is available? I mean, if I was going through this, yes. It's a chunk of change, that's right? A, that's huge. Now, let's go back for a moment to that idea that I mentioned earlier, which is the difference between the sticker price of schools and your actual out-of-pocket or true expense. Right, right. Right? That is a calculation that you can actually do. There are calculators out there that can help you do that. There's the Princeton Review that we talked about. Find out what the cost of college is that your student might be interested in and ultimately what the true out-of-pocket expense could be, because they could be wildly different. Right. So to summarize, once you get an accurate projection out of the true cost of out-of-pocket costs of college, then you'll be able to decide what your ability to pay for college is, weighed against your other financial goals, and the impact that college is going to have on those financial goals. That's really how we come about with an accurate approach for college funding. Right. So now that we have some idea of how to think about calculating the cost of college, our wealth tech rebels come up with some realistic numbers for themselves. The question then is going to become, of course, when I'm trying to put money away for college, what do I do with it? Right. Where do you put it, in other words? Yeah. Right. So let's talk for a moment then about some of the places you might want to save money for college. A lot of our listeners might be familiar with 529 plans. Those are yeah, 529 college savings plans, which anyone, any family member could contribute to. You, right. your, your parents, aunts, uncles can start a 529 plan. Now, without talking about you know, you could use this company or that company for 529s. What I like to do when you're considering where to place money for saving for college is to think of it in terms of the benefits that that particular type of, let's call it parking place or financial club, so to speak, will give you, right? Right. So when it comes to 529s, there are several things that apply. One of the reasons that people use a 529 is that the contribution, if you're contributing to your own state's 529 plan, which may or may not be the case, but if you right, are, right. <laughs> potentially there's a tax 
deduction or tax credit that you can get for that contribution. And then if the money is used, and this is always the case, is the rule is that the money has to be used for qualified education expenses. Now, you can change the beneficiary. So, for instance, if you have two children and the first one ends up not going to college and the second one does, you can change the beneficiary from the first to the second child, and that's all fine. There's no tax implications for doing that. Right. But if neither one of them ends up going to college, now you've got a problem. Now you're going to have to not only pay the taxes that you deferred, but potentially you're going to have to pay penalty taxes on that of 10% as well. Ouch. Right? So. Like with many types of tax-qualified plans, 529s are sometimes a double-edged sword. Right, yeah. Right? You, you, it comes down again to the knowledge of it, understanding it. Well, you, it comes down to understanding that for a potential benefit, you got to understand that you may or may not end up with that benefit depending on how it turns out for you. Right, right. And you don't know that 18 years before the kid goes to college. <laughs> I can see that would be a little tricky. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, if you've put a quarter of a million dollars in there by the time your kid has gone to college, because that's what it's going to require for them to get through school, and something happens and that money isn't used for education, you got a huge tax bill. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Now, there are definitely considerations. Yeah. So those are some of the considerations. Other things like, for instance, you know, competitive rate of return, possibly, depending right. on what it's invested in. Right. But again, what happens... For instance, what happened to a lot of 529s during the last recession was, 2008, 2009 was, somebody thought they had $200,000 in their college savings plan, and then the next time they turned around, they had 100000 <laughs> yeah. right? Right, right. That's a problem. Yeah. Because the kid still needs to go to school the next year. Right. So it's very important that whatever program you're using for investments within the plan, usually mutual funds, are going to become considerably more conservative the closer you get to college because you won't have time to recover within that five years prior to college. That's the rule of thumb. Yeah. Okay? And some people say to me, well, Brian, if that's the case, I just don't want to put money in there because I don't want to lose it. Yeah. I want to know what's gonna I'm going to have for college. And that, if that's you, then you need to look at something else other than a 529. Right. Right? Now, another type of plan is a Coverdell. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Prepaid tuition is another way to go. Again, with certain risks, particularly the risk that if the college is not going to give you a refund, if your student doesn't end up going to school, you've got a problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Never mind a penalty of 10% taxes. Is the school going to give you the money back if the kid can't qualify? That right? could be a potential problem, a potential wealth transfer. That could be a big wealth transfer, <laughs> right? Other types of programs, UTMAs and UGMAs, Unified Transfer to Minors Act, Unified Gift to Minors Act, very little benefit there really than other than you can contribute that money. There's really not any particular tax benefits for those. So the, the money ultimately ends up in the hands of the student if it's not used for college, but not really with any tax benefits. Yeah. Stocks or mutual funds are possible, of course, again. You're taking the risk on that. That's what we would call the investment tank, not the safe tank, when we're talking about your personal economic model. And so if you're going to use stocks or bonds for funding your college education, you've got to be thinking carefully about choosing those. Yeah. Right? Is a Roth IRA a possibility? 
maybe, right, is permanent life insurance would cash value a possibility. Maybe. Again, it depends on your situation, on your time horizon. But one of the benefits for sure of, for instance, cash value policies is that there may be guarantees, right? Right. So again, rather than investing in an investment tank for college, you might be able to invest in in a safer way in the cash value of some policies, but you're going to have time to do it, right? Sure. You can't be having a, a sophomore in high school right now and thinking you're going to use permanent insurance. It's not going to work. Right. Okay. So again, when it comes down to it, there are a lot of places you can park your money for college savings to figure out which one is going to be optimal. Talk with a professional. professional. This is not yep. an area that you're going to be able to just look up online and figure it all out. Right. There are yep. just too many <clears throat> ins and outs of all these types of possibilities. And everyone's is a unique situation. Every situation is unique. That's where the advisor comes in. Right. Well, Brian, thank you. You know, what we have talked about today is for many families here, uh, it's a growing concern is what am I going to do when my child has to go to college? It's going to cost money. That cost is going up. I don't know what I'm going to do. So, you know, we've covered a little bit about how can you figure out the real cost I think you know that's a good place to start because if you don't know the cost, the true cost of college, how are you going to plan for it? And it's a big bill, so <laughs> you really have to be careful about that one. Of course, we've also talked about some basics of how to start approaching it. We talked about A, B, C, D, right? And talked about what to do once you've figured out how much you need to pay. Where are some places to look and what to think about those in order to help you with saving through your college funding? Also, we're going to put some screenshots for everything we've discussed today on our notes, our show notes page at WealthTacticRebels.com. And while you're there at WealthTacticRebels.com, you can also download our free guide to the three key areas that you could be losing money unknowingly and unnecessarily. And uh, Brian, thank you again today for helping us all out. My pleasure, Kevin. Great thinking differently with you. <laughs> and WealthTech Rebels, thank you for joining us today. Think differently and have a great day. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes, and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.